us with our haze again. <laughs> of course, we're using haze. Oh, Erica, I'm so excited about today's episode. No, this was such a true, a real, a raw look at Shay and I's hearts on adoption. Maybe Spoil- I just spoiled yeah. it. Sorry. No, I was just going to say spoiled. <laughs> Spoiler alert. We blubber through a big part of it. <laughs> yes, you might want to grab your tissues if you're a crier who cries when you hear other people cry because, you know, it touched us. Yeah. If you have kids that um, are adopted, if you're considering it, thinking about it, praying about it, you love people in your family or community that have adopted kids, or you know nothing about it and just want to hear two moms with hearts for adoption. Like it, this episode is for everybody is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So in this episode, we break down adoption and my non-emotional self cries. <laughs> and... <laughs> And just one reminder before we get to today's episode, next week is the Bestie Book Club number two. So you still have one more week to finish reading our book. It's a really good one. You should all, if you haven't started, you need to start reading it. You will have it finished by this time next week because it's that good. The Girls in the Stilt House is the book. So you still have time. Join us so you can listen along next week. Okay, I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Bye. Hey everyone, I'm Erica. And I'm Shay. And we're two bestie moms breaking down topics each week here on our podcast. We cover everything from pop culture to travel, motherhood, organization, fitness, fashion, food, and so much more. We're two best friends just chatting about life and we're so excited you're here. We started with hey again. Hey, I don't know another way to say <laughs> to start. We start a lot with okay or hey. We're Texans. We should start with howdy. Yeah. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, again, that's another hey, another form of hey. Um, okay. Okay. I have a fun little game for us to start. Oh, I'm today. so excited. I like to start with the game. I don't know if it's actually a game, but I was reading somewhere where um, they said, you know, as a mom, sometimes your days start really smoothly. Sometimes they start crazy chaotic. <laughs> Think about your day yesterday, and I want you to think about one animal that represents your day. Oh, my whole day or just my morning? Like my how it started? Well, oh, you can choose. I mean, I don't know. At all throughout, um, different times throughout the day, I would probably choose a different animal. But um, I was envisioning my day yesterday. I mean, I complained to you like four times. I was just having a crazy day. Yeah, and I did too to you. By the time you and I made it to yesterday evening yeah. <laughs> when we saw each other. So in my, okay, I have my animal, I think. It, it, it describes my day yesterday. This is not everyday Shay, but this was yesterday Shay. Okay. The Tasmanian devil. <laughs> okay, okay, I could see it. You were going a hundred different directions. Yep. Kids were needing you everywhere. I was like dirty and spinning and just like, you. everybody wanted to back away from me. And I mean, it's supposed to be nice, cool November weather here in Texas. And it's warm. Yeah. And I even, did I tell you this? Did I tell our friend Megan this? But um, at one point, all four kids were talking to me about important things. Like important as in, mom, I need to be here at this time. Mom, I need you to buy me this shirt I have to wear for this thing. Mom, I need to finish this homework. Like all four kids at the same time. And they were handing me papers with this information. So there was like papers coming at me. All four kids are coming at me. And my sweet husband walks in the kitchen as this is happening. And he's like, did you see those pretty mums I planted by the front door? And I looked at him like, this is not the moment. Like, I love you. But so then I'm like, Andrew, look at them. And he was like, oh, I just ignore them. I'm like, (laughs) how lucky to be a dad where it's like, oh, I'm sure they'll get where they need to be and they'll have whatever shirt that needs to be purchased and advanced on and that book will be read for first grade. But look at those moms. We were having a similar day um, just because my kids, when they get in the car, it's almost as if they don't realize that their siblings are in the car too. Yes. Like they sit (laughs) down and they start telling me a story and I want to hear all about their day. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But it's like brother somehow doesn't hear that brother (laughs) one has already begun to tell me a story. Yes. So I, sometimes I just look at them and I'm like, can you hear him? Yes. That's how, yes. talking to me right now in the middle of a story. 
Um, so I was going to say, you know, those, are they llamas? Are they some sort of weird species that has like weird hair? And they're, you know, like almost like bangs. Yes. Uh, uh, wait, there's a, why can't I think of it? Um, uh, why can't I think, not a llama, it's a, why can't what we it think is, of it? But yes. just almost, they kind of look like a mess and a little bit frazzled. And they've just kind of had to go to like a Zen place. That was me. Now, I didn't hit my Zen place until late last night. Late, late last night. But when I finally got Zen, I was like, okay, okay. It just, my day was crazy. But at the end of the day, I was like that llama with like bangs who was like <laughs> trying to be Zen. But then some days go so smoothly. Some days I just, just, th- I just, you know, kind of think to myself, this has just been the smoothest. You know, some days just everything kind of just works itself out. And I'll have an extra minute for that extra cup of coffee and maybe to flip through my good housekeeping. Like some days are just so peaceful. And then other days, yeah, it's like it's all just coming at me at the same time. Yeah, I think it's maybe the time of year that was happening. My kids do the same thing. But obviously, I love you, Andrew. I love you. He does too. Like, I had to look <laughs> at him to be like, this is not the time to talk to me. Like, four other humans are speaking to me. Why they don't, re- why do they not look around and think, huh, this isn't my time. I should be quiet. She can't hear me. No, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's almost like they have some sort of special thing in their ear where they don't hear siblings talking to mom in the car. No, no, they don't. And I just like you, I want to hear every detail and I want to make sure your first grade book gets read and you have that shirt you need. And oh, the other thing that was coming at me at the same time, Kensington needed pink hair dye and it was supposed to have arrived by Amazon and it wasn't on our porch. And she was I, I, I want to solve all these problems. But I cannot, I can't even hear all the problems if you're all saying them no, at the same time. No, we need just one problem at a time. That's yes. it. Yes. Yesterday I had too much happening at the same time. The, just this morning, and yesterday morning was chaotic. This morning I thought was really nice. We had a really peaceful, really nice morning. Yesterday was terrible. I made somebody cry, one of the kids. Like this morning though was really nice. But, you know, our girls have to be to, at school so early. So Kensington and I were just, you know, going over, making sure she had everything. We were like chatting. And then Smith, who loves to wake up early, he, he is was just like talking and talking, talking, talking to me. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, you don't leave for school for two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> I will catch you in a bit. Like your sister is going to school in like two minutes. Yes. You and I are going to have almost three solid hours together. You're going to have to save this story for just a minute. And he was like, Okay, but you know, like, come on, dude. <laughs> yes, that is my life. And apparently yes. a lot of other moms like, because yes. I feel like we brought it up at a football game last night and yes. other moms chimed in and it's happening everywhere. So yeah, yeah. Every mom that was sitting by us was like, had the same story. Yeah. So join the alpaca <sighs> and alpaca. That's it. That's what it was. That was the word I was looking for. That's alpaca. It. Yes. It's the one with the hair and yes. the Tasmanian devil as we... <laughs> tackle a new topic today. Also about parenting. Yeah. Because we're going to break down. This is going to be part one of, we don't know exactly how many, but this is part one of us breaking down adoption. Yes. I, um, this is one that like, I know in social media, we got really serious in that episode and we kept repeating over and over and we felt like it was kind of wah. That's not like this, but it's super serious. And I have been, <laughs> I was I'm know not going to be womp womp, but I yeah. just might, like I've been praying about how our, our words come across because it's a serious topic and we want you to see our hearts in this and just really like hear what we're trying to say. And we want you to move. We want you to have action. I can already tell you, we haven't even started talking about adoption yet. But I don't want you to listen and then think that was a fun episode and then go about your day. I want you to listen. And those of you who God has put adoption on your heart, he knows who you are and you know who you are. I just know you do. I hope this causes you to like move, to act, to do something. I know I just this morning, it's funny how God works, but um, just this morning, because I've been praying about this, Um, I saw a quote on social media and it said, if God put it on your heart, then it's probably on his heart too. Yes. Yes. And I know, listen, we're already, we're already going there, Erica. Here we go. Which, hey, by the way, we're going to take a pause because Erica needs me to turn the fan on. Okay. (laughs) Before we go there, I'm going to take my headphones off and turn the fan on. (laughs) It's really warm. And we've got these headphones on. So um, anyway, I have a sweatshirt on and I, 
The only way I could figure out how to get cool air to my body was to take my arms out of the sweatshirt and the sweatshirt's like hanging around my neck. Okay, this is, God wants us to have this moment. I can tell. He wants us to have some like levity to the situation because my house is freezing. My house is always freezing. My house is a cold house. It's like an ice box. So it, it, what kind of sweatshirt do you have on? Because it's just a, like a pullover sweatshirt. I don't know, but I found myself, maybe it's because I'm trying to be so serious and focus on getting my words right. But I started sweating a little bit. As Erica was like being so serious, she was also taking her top off. I have another shirt on. And the then, then it was just like around her neck. And anyway, we're back. Headphones on, fan going on level three. Do we feel comfortable now? I feel great. Let's get started. (laughs) We're going to kick it off with some adoption facts, right? So wait, but you you read your quote. Oh. And we were getting on, I was getting on my soapbox. Get on your (laughs) soapbox. Let's go back. Um, Just in the Bible, everyone is called to take care of the orphans. It says that. That does not necessarily mean have one live in your home and raise them, but we should be caring for those that are in need. And, but I know specifically on your hearts, just like what you said, it's there because you're supposed to do it. Right. So all of you don't hit pause right now because you're afraid you're about to feel convicted. We want you to act. We want you to listen. Yeah, right. There are lots of ways to do that, which we're kind of yes. going to cover, I think. Yes. Buckle up. It doesn't necessarily mean you're adding a child to your home. Maybe it does. We yes. just secretly hope that it does. Yes, but, we do. Um, you know, there are a variety of ways that God could be calling you to help those orphans. So, yes. So this is part one and, uh, We'll talk more about future parts, but just know we're just going to barely scratch the surface right now. Okay. One of my, probably other than us, my other favorite podcasters would be the office ladies. And they always refer to themselves as girls who Google because when they start spouting off facts, they're basically like, I mean, we just Googled it. So listen, I love it. We are going to be girls that Google too, because I have some facts according to Google. Okay. Okay. But when I looked up all of these facts about adoption and just the orphan situation in the world, they were all facts I had heard many times before from other sources, whether at conferences or in books. So I think these facts are as close to accurate as they could possibly get. Okay. But just before we start, I wanted to remind everyone that on any given day, there are around 440,000 children living in foster care in the United States. So let's round that to a half a million. On any given day, there's a half a million, half a million just children here in America living in foster care right now. Um, According to UNICEF, about 153 million kids are orphans worldwide. It is my understanding that does not include the kids in foster care in the United States. But either way, 153 million children are living without moms and dads and families right now in the world. Asia has the most orphans. Out of that 153 million, Asia makes up about 71 million. Um, My research tells me the vast majority of those are girls. India, 31 million. And Africa as a whole, as a continent, you know, India would be the country of 31 million, but Africa as a whole, 59 million. So many Many, many kids. And then there are other places, obviously, that have orphan populations that are just smaller. Some places in South America. uh, Haiti is one that you hear about. And then, of course, there are those kids in, like, Russia and Eastern European countries. So it's a huge amount of kids that don't have parents. Those numbers are terrifying. Terrifying. Um, And so sad. It is an epidemic that there is a cure for. But the only cure is people have to do something about it. They have to act. That's the only cure for that many kids living without parents is people have to people have to bring them into their home and make forever homes for these for these kids and make families out of these really terrible situations. Yeah. That number that you talked about, the kids in foster care here, I read a number the other day, but I didn't I didn't write down from my trusty Google um, about the number of kids that even though they're in foster care, they just don't have like places for them to sleep. Mm. So the number was huge where they're not just in foster care in a home, but it's like, oh, they have to sleep in their social worker's office mm. or they had to sleep, you know, just in random places. So. And I know big numbers. It's, 
for so many of us, that's probably hard to comprehend because our kids sleep on not just their own rooms, but mattresses that we think are going to be comfortable for them. And, you know, their special blankie with their nightlight and their essential oils that are, you know, going off in the middle of the night. Like our kids are so blessed and so fortunate. It's hard to wrap our brains around some kids are sleeping in social workers' offices. Well, yeah. And you might live in an area and your kids might go to school where you don't witness anything Mm -hmm. like that. So it almost seems Mm -hmm. just crazy foreign to you to consider that there are kids just even here in America that are living like that. And it might, you might think, well, yeah, kids live in other countries like that, but they don't live here. They don't live in my town. But even at our kids' schools, we have kids that are in the foster care system um, at our kids' schools. Like it happens every, it happens everywhere. It's a unfortunate circumstance. It's an unfortunate epidemic that's happening um, here, even in the United States and your area too. It's easy to assume, though, that it's not happening in our school because those kids look just like your kids. They look just like my kids. Yes. They don't stand out. They look exactly like every other kid. So you wouldn't know that unless you know their story. Yeah. And they're sweet and they're a vital part of the community and of the school. And um, they're just precious, 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 precious people. And then you realize they just have really hard stories, really hard stories. Yes. Um. So I think, speaking of stories, we should probably start with how we became parents to kids. Yeah, let's kick it off. Um, So we're going to obviously speak into China, but I think that whether your story or your conviction is a different country or U.S. domestic adoptions, I hope our stories are encouraging, you know, to you too, even though we we both are going to speak into mostly Chinese adoptions. And we're not saying, I feel like we say this a lot, we're not saying we're experts on this topic. Oh, gosh, no. We do not know. Just like you said, we're going by what our our trusty friend Google said. Um, But we're just speaking from personal experience and from how um, adoption has changed our lives and our families and our hearts. So keep that in mind. Please keep that in mind. Uh, Yes, please keep that in mind. So uh, in 2010, I had a basically a one-year-old and a two-year-old, and I went to an orphan Sunday service at church uh, in November of 2010, where the you know the entire church service uh, was spent talking about the orphan epidemic in the world. And so there were speakers, and there was a video, and then our pastor preached a sermon on on just how many kids did not have families in in the world. And as he was preaching, I like really, I've never in my life felt it before and I haven't felt it since. Like the Holy Spirit told me, you are supposed to be a mom to kids without parents. Like I heard it, like it felt audible to me um, or it sounded audible to me. And I left and I just, with just this new mission in life, I'm supposed to be a mom to kids that don't have any. And I got in the car, Andrew and I, for some reason that Sunday had gone to two different like hours of the services. So he had heard the service before me and then I had heard it. We met up at the car with our one-year-old and two-year-old and I tell Andrew this and Andrew immediately is like, no. (laughs) And not in a like taking care of the orphans is a bad thing kind of a way, but just in a, we have a one-year-old and a two-year-old that knowing Kensington Shoal was probably crying at that exact (laughs) moment. And he was like, that's just not for us. Like, no. But I felt it just so deep down in my core. And so and I've talked about this and blogged about this extensively for years. But I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed about this. We argued about it. I would say it was probably one of the things we fought about most in our entire marriage because he kept saying like, no, that's not for us. And I kept nitpicking and I kept like, no, I feel it. I just I wouldn't stop hounding him. And finally, he said, like, you have to stop. So he said, if you'll stop talking to me about it and like, you know, and we can stop arguing about it. I will commit to you to pray about it every single day. I will. I commit to you. I will pray about it. But we just cannot talk about it. So I was like, OK, so I stopped talking to Andrew and I talked to all my friends about it. But at least I knew he <laughs> was going to pray about it. And months and months and months went by. And uh, one night we pulled into the grocery store. No shocker there. Andrew went inside. No shocker there. <laughs> Andrew came out. I went into, I'm so sorry. Let me scratch it. I went into the grocery store. We were there. Andrew was in the car. When I came back to the car, um, Andrew was sobbing. And he just said in that moment, like he felt God tell him, like, you are supposed to adopt kids that don't have families. And a, a light just came on. And a, he, from that moment on, he pursued adoption. I would even say like harder than me. 
And so from there, we had to pray about like, where, what does that look like for our family? Domestic, international, boy, girl, what age will this kid be? Is it one kid? Is it multiple kids? Like we just prayed and prayed and prayed. And after several months of prayer, we just felt the Lord telling us over and over again, like, those Chinese girls, you need, your daughter is a Chinese girl, like go to those Chinese girls. And we knew some people that had adopted from China, but they weren't like close friends of ours, but we reached out. And anyway, we got on the path of adoption. We really officially started. And um, I would say about January of 2014. And then we were I don't want to give the dates wrong. It took us about a year to do the paperwork. Let me scratch that. It took us about a year to do the paperwork and to do our home study and to get what they call paper ready. And then we were matched with the most precious little girl. And she was two at the time that we were matched. And she was adorable. It took us about six months to get her. So the whole process for us from starting the paperwork, from like emailing the adoption agency to actually holding her in our arms was about 18 months. And that was our sweet Ashby, who um, we met and fell in love. And we brought, uh, we met her on January 4th of 2015 is when we met Ashby. And that was an 18-month process. And we were home with Ashby for just a couple of weeks, like eight weeks, probably eight weeks. And I just felt God saying like, oh, you got to go back and get another Chinese girl. Oh, you're not done. Oh, and I was like, oh, dang, here we go again. So one morning, Andrew was doing his quiet time and drinking his coffee And I walked in there and I was like, hey, yeah. So I really feel like we're supposed to adopt again. And he goes, me too. And it was like, just, okay, so let's do it. And like another 18 months later, so in 2016, we got our sweet little maidly. So we've adopted two precious, precious, precious little girls from China. Both of them were about two when we got them. And now Ashby's been home almost seven years. Maidley's been home five years. That feels so long ago. I know. I remember. Because what was life without them? Yeah. So in like a nutshell, that's that's how we got here today. The Shull family has two bio kids and two amazing adopted daughters from China. Okay. I am like, normally I'm not a crier, but you're telling <laughs> your story and like tears are rolling down my cheeks. Oh. And I'm like, I'm like tough. I'm not, you know, like I'm not super emotional when anything mm. is happening. I mean, right? Like some of our <laughs> friends, we're looking at you, Schaefer. It's going to sob <laughs> if like the waitress says something super friendly at lunch or something. (laughs) And I am not like that. But nothing like wrecks me or breaks me more than this topic. So anyway. And you've heard this story a million times and you've lived through this story. Yeah, but why am I crying? Here we go. Because we want somebody else. We want their story to start with. I was listening to this podcast today where they talk about frivolous stuff like Botox and bikinis and TV shows. And now look at us. We have a child in our family forever. That's what we want. That's what our hope is today. We hope. Yes. That's a hope. Um, okay, so my story is a little different. Um, I mean, kind of similar because really, I think, you know, God uses the people in your path and the people around you to encourage you or to speak through them to you at certain times. Um, so we had three biological kids and I really like our third, Bowen, was um, he wasn't super planned. I mean, I think we had the thought in mind that we would have another child, but he wasn't really planned. So we'd even talked about adoption just earlier in our marriage and we were having kids, like we were able to get pregnant. So it just kind of seemed like, you know, we weren't really, really supposed to act on that. And then um, fast forward, we meet Ashby Shoal, this sweet little girl um, who is changing lives, changing people's hearts. Um, and our discussions at our house can't became a, a lot more around like, well, not necessarily like why me, but more like why not us, right? Like mm. we can provide for another child. We have, um, you know, plenty of love to give another child. We could help. And so we started praying about it. Um, and really, let me be honest, if you're praying about, you know, having a heart like God's, I think he truly puts things that are on his heart right on yours. So it didn't take us long at all for us to get on board with this. And we kind of, we did a little research into other countries, but I think our whole time, not only like Ashby, um, because I think we started the paperwork when you guys were working on your paperwork for Maidley, right? Yeah. Maidley wasn't home yet. So Maidley, yes, that's right. Because Maidley came home in September and then Britt came home just nine months later. 
So we were already. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it really was like, Ashby, there were several other kids from China that were at our church. And um, all of those stories were like very successful. They were these amazing kids who um, were just living, getting to have parents and forever families. And so we started the paperwork in um, in January of 2014. No. I know. I can't get I can't my dates right either. Year. We started it in January. It took us forever to get our stuff together. So our, we were paper ready in like November. We saw Britt's picture in February. And we came home with her in May. So again, still 18 months, yeah. like roughly. It was just kind of different, waiting for different things. Um, and then we brought Britt Bradford Slaughter home in May. And she is super spicy, super sweet, <laughs> and um, has everyone in our family like wrapped around her finger. And I will tell you, it's amazing the transformation that happens in kids when they go from like a kid who's lived in an orphanage without, you know, people who love them to these families where they're full of love. So. And it's, anyway. a, yes, you said so many like wonderful nuggets. I just want to like stop and go back and go through yours. <laughs> it's also uh, so amazing to see, and I'm going to use your kids as an example. I could use mine, but I, I just love watching yours, how it transforms the bio kids. Because I could sob my eyes out. I love me some Nixon Slaughter. He is precious, but he is like his own man and has been since day he, one. I mean, he's rough. He, well, he, no, well, I mean, maybe at your house, my house, he is just like larger than life personality. And he's always just been like, he is him. And I love that about him because I've got a big personality too. I love that about him, but he is a puddle of mush when it comes to Brett. He is. Mush. No, he is so, I don't know if tough or rough or just, you know, like he's not the kid in my family that's going to get pushed around. No. Like he was the second, but when he entered the world, he like made his presence known. Um, He's probably used to doing the pushing around, you know, like he's likes to tell everybody like what the plan is when it comes to the kids. Um, but he was pretty much like, oh, this is now your job. Oh. Tiny little baby girl of your, yeah. It's so amazing to watch the transformation on both sides. Yeah. Because these kids, all three of our girls are just so just wonderful. And we've had, we have three just amazing success stories. We really do. We just yeah. really, we really do. Um, but they were shells of themselves when we met them. They were not these people that you see today. They were no. shells of just children that had just so much potential, but just the, no spark in any of them, all three of them. That's a good way. There was not a spark. I don't know how to describe it. Just very shy, very like not trusting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, did not have this like full fun personality or maybe they had it, but they were afraid to let it show yes. because they had never had someone who cared possibly to show it to before. Well, and it also had never been nurtured and they'd never yeah. seen it. They couldn't mimic it. We would, we would say it looked like our girls could almost go back into themselves. Like yeah. I, we would see some personality and then all of a sudden, um, I don't know if we would like startle them or they would get nervous or they would be afraid to trust us. And so their coping mechanism was almost like they'd go back inside themselves. Like, oh, the lights would go off again. Like, they would go dim. They they just, you know, if you don't see it modeled, if you don't hear, if you don't, these kids aren't watching TV or even getting books read to them. So there's no modeling both in real life or fiction that they're seeing. Right. So they are just these people that have so much potential. They just need someone to, like, love them, love yeah. them. I think, too, um, you know, these uh, many of the orphans that we're talking about, um, they live in like orphanages. Yeah. Right. And so there are lots of kids. The ratios are not the best. Um, and our girls were all at orphanages where they were taken care of. But there's a difference between like just meeting their very basic needs and being like truly loved. Um, but I would say um, something that we would talk about a lot with Britt is um, she was just so used to self-soothing so that it was almost be like if there was something that she didn't know how to handle or she didn't want to handle it. It was almost like she would like 
self-soothe herself. Like, suck her thumb mm. or you know what I mean like and these are like baby things we're no like you're gonna now, make me cry because you know what I mean I have a seven-year-old a seven-year-old who is like I'm gonna start crying now a seven-year-old who's been having an orphanage for five years and she still rocks herself to sleep every night because she just cannot not do it yeah she that's that's how she had to rock her she had to rock herself to sleep look at us we're getting all I soft. know because we're soft we're crying for as twi- we talk. 23 oh months gosh. For 23 months, that precious baby had to rock herself to sleep. And so now she's seven and the freaking life of the party. And if you met her, you would never in a million years think that late at night when the lights are off. When she's all alone. And all alone, she still to this day rocks herself to sleep. She remembers. Yes, I know. (sighs) Um, So. Oh. Yes. They have so much potential. They have so much love to give. It's just like that had to be like awakened in them. So. And, okay, you said, too, when you were talking about, I do think once you flip the question, and I think there's so many of you who are listening right now that are like, stop talking to me, but I'm talking to you. We are talking <laughs> to you. are trying to turn us off. We're talking to you. Don't pause on that podcast. <laughs> there's so many of you that once you flip it to why not me, everything's going to change because it's going to be a lot harder to come up with reasons why not you. Yes. Why not me? Once you start thinking of it that way, if you have a a seat in your car, if you have a seat at your table, if you have, they don't need their own room. They can share a room. If you have love in your heart, if you have a a place to call home and it doesn't have to be grand and it doesn't have to be big, but if you have a community that can support you to help with clothes or extra food or driving kids around, if you why not you? That's the question. Right. Why not you? There's 153 million. The only way to solve, there's no vaccine. There's no law. There's no government policy. The only way to solve this problem is more people have to think, why not me? Guys, every once in a while, Shay turns into Beth Moore and she's doing <laughs> it right now, isn't she? Go ahead, Beth. That's it. That's what I you know. have to do. It has to be that. That's the only cure for this problem. This is a curable problem, too. Absolutely. And he, and one person, and you and I both know, oh, my gosh. I, I, we know, we know families that have eight or ten adopted kids on top of their bio kids because they just, this is their calling. And I think everyone's calling is different. I think right. the Lord has completed our families, and we know that, and the Lord's told us that, and there's nothing quote, wrong with just adopting one kid or just adopting two. Because sometimes you meet someone that has like eight or 10 kids and you think, gosh, am I doing enough? I'm Right, right. Right, right. You or think they like, have these insane yes. special needs yes. that you're like, those moms yes. pour out their entire self every day yes. for their child. So am I doing enough? Yes, Absolutely. yes. And I, as an adopted mom of two, can look at these people. I'm thinking of two women in particular. And I think, I'm not doing as much as they are. I'm not, right. but, but truly God has not called me to do that yet. He could, he could. And right. I, and, and I hope I'm brave enough and bold enough and have enough faith to, to step out. He could right now. I don't feel like he's calling me to be that. My point is you don't have to be that. If God's calling you to adopt one, that's amazing. It's amazing. If 153 million people could adopt one, we wouldn't have an orphan problem anymore. It would be over. It would be over. Okay. Let's talk about something you just said, because you just said, um, like, I don't remember the word. <laughs> I don't remember the word, but you said something about like God told me or God mm-hmm. something. Okay, so I think a lot of times people can say like, "Well, God's not telling." Yes, me, right. Uh-huh. Okay, when Shay's saying that, she's referring to like she and Andrew prayed mm-hmm. consistently. They committed to praying over and over and over about adoption or about what God was going to have their family decide to do in regards to these orphans, whether it's respite care for a foster Mm -hmm. family or donating money to help other families with fundraising, whatever the case is, it doesn't necessarily mean that God, God did not. um, Sometimes he doesn't audibly, right? He didn't audibly tell me or Shay or Andrew, like you have to adopt, but God will completely change your heart. He'll completely change the way you feel about adding another child to your family. And I think once, um, who told us this? Who Somebody told you or me? Somebody told us uh, when God places it on your heart, yes. it's not going to yes. go away. I read like, that in a book. Yes. You, okay, maybe yes. I heard it from you. Yes. It is not going to go away. So if God has placed adoption on your heart, 
that feeling is going to be there. That urge, that, um, yeah, I don't know, that, that yeah. like drive in you to do that is not changing. So just keep that in mind. I wanted yes, to talk no. about that when you said like God yes. told you what, how you were explaining. Yes. That. Also know too, we live in a very, just like I joked about at the beginning, Kensington wanted her pink hair dye and it wasn't delivered within 24 hours. We live in a very like, well, Amazon says it's going to be here tomorrow and it's yes. not world. But from that sermon I listened to in November of 2010 to um, meeting Ashby on January 4th, 2015, that's four years and two months. So our time and God's time are very different. And just because it's on your heart and you think like, right now I can't, you can start the process, even if that's by starting to pray and to talk to people. Like, just because you can't put it on a timetable. Yeah. It took years, literally years of praying for us to get from that sermon to holding Ashby. Years of praying and paperwork. And I'm also, as much as I'm a huge believer, and if God puts it on your heart, it's not on accident. I'm equally as big of a believer in if God wants to shut that door, he will shut it. Yes. So how many times have I thought something was God's will and I've pursued it only for God to shut the door and say, read either redirect me, flat out tell me no, or I see God's will along the way. Me pursuing what I think is God's will actually showed me really the direction I was supposed to be going. So if don't be scared to pursue it and think, what if it's not God's will? He will shut the door. If you're faithful and praying about it and faithful and listening, and if you're faithful in that, you start the process. If God does not want you to do it, you'll stop it. Andrew and I just knew we were going to adopt a little boy from India. Remember, before yes. we were directed to Chinese girls, we just thought we adopted Ashby. Now we're going to adopt a little boy from India. I don't know. We just had that in our minds. That is what we thought, a little boy from India. And it did not take three weeks of pursuing that for God to shut that door so loud in our face and tell us really it was a Chinese girl we were supposed to go after. And I just read the statistics. It was like 51 million orphans or, or 31, 31 million orphans in India. There are a lot of kids in India, but God was telling us that's not our kid because our kid was Maidley, who was in China, you know? Right. So yeah. I, I just think if, if you're scared about pursuing something because you think like, well, what if this isn't God's will? You pursue it. If he's telling you to pursue it, that is you obeying him and stepping out on yes. faith by pursuing. Pursuing and actually reaching completion of that goal are different things. Yeah. He's interested in you following. Yes. He will lead you to the right And your spot. obedience and your faith. He's interested in that. Right. Oh, I mean, this is why this is going to have to be like a 12-part series because like I could talk about this all day. I could talk about this all day. Yes. So the big question, Shay, is what would oh. ever lead us to adopt and... While Jesus did not audibly talk to both of us, we would both say he put it on our hearts. Yes. And we followed yes. through. Absolutely. I will say too, when I was pregnant with Smith, I felt the Lord tell me he was my last biological child. I just in I just felt it. I and and I was pregnant with a baby and I was thankful to be pregnant with a baby, but I, I just knew God was saying, like, you are done having kids. And I had miserable, terrible pregnancies. And I now I'm so thankful for them because I think that. God was like really needed to get my attention. So I'd really listen because listen, yeah. God had a bigger plan I was not aware of. And God knew like Shay's stupid. So I'm going to have to like make 18 collective months of her you life. I mean, maybe God knows that you're a little <laughs> yes. bit strong willed and headstrong. God was like, okay, I really need her to get the point. So yeah. I'm going to just completely ruin every day. <laughs> 18 months of her life. But I felt it so much that we took permanent measures immediately after Smith was born to make sure we didn't have any more biological children because that's how certain Andrew and I felt. That's how certain, but I think God also knew, he just knew me well enough to know I have got to really shut all of those biological kid doors. I'm going to yeah. shut them hard. I'm going to make pregnancies hard. I'm going to make sure they physically and biologically can't have any more children, right? Like let God do that stuff. Like I'm a good listener though. Cause I mean, my pregnancies were delightful <laughs> and yes. God knew like Erica will listen. I'm totally kidding. We'll talk about that in the totally Enneagram. Kidding. It's true. Erica's such a peacemaker. She's like, okay, yeah. Lord, but I, I hear you. <laughs> Andrew and I are so darn stubborn and strong will. He's like, I'm going to have to pull out the big guns to get their attention. Yes. But I'm so glad he did because I could have easily seen how I could have uh, misread. Am I supposed to adopt after that sermon to maybe I'll just have one more kid. Yeah. Which then I wouldn't not have done. Ashby, right. you know, right. like, oh God, so cool. Oh, 
I yes. mean, I could, again. So, yeah. I just think if it's on your heart. If it's not on your heart, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think my word to you, if it's not on your heart, is what is on your heart? Like, it, if we're talking about stepping out in faith, that maybe what's on your heart is uh, changing jobs to a different, you know, maybe you've always, it's been on your heart to be like an elementary school teacher. And right now you're an attorney, like whatever's on your heart, like you just please be sensitive to what God's saying to you. I also think it is biblical to take care of the orphans and the widows, right? It says that in James one twenty seven. So right. I think there are ways you can help and lots of ways, lots of ways. And maybe lots that could be a whole episode. Yeah, we, we've got lots, lots of ways coming. Yes, yes. Lots of ways with your time and of your financial givings and of your just um, things that you could purchase and, and ship and give. And, or you can, like you said, give respite care or love on people going through the process or help raise yes. money for people going through the process. Babysit families, yes. kids who are going through the process and they have yes. certification hours and all of that. Offer to watch their kids. Yes. Lots of things you can do. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't even know where we go from here. What's next? <laughs> oh, I don't. Okay, let's talk a little bit about domestic. Why not domestic? That question comes up a lot, right? Yes. Um, I don't get it as much anymore. And maybe it's because my daughters are older. Are you about to go snarky? Yeah, I'm about to go laugh? snarky. Yeah, I guess I'm going snarky. Okay. This is, well, okay, yeah. go ahead. Because from experience, from experience. Um, well, about, wait, hold on. Let me say. She's going to, like, this is the nine in her tempering the eight I'm, in me. <laughs> yes, I'm like setting the stage. You should know if you listen to our social media podcast episode that um, while, yes, we put our lives out there, we, I'm, I think we're both open to like sweet, constructive criticism, but there's like such a fine line of sweet, constructive criticism where sometimes, you know, you can't understand someone's tone when they're sending an email or leaving a comment. I'm going to talk about people in person, but yes, you're right about all of that. Okay. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm i just talking about the people Listen. on social media. So we got asked this question a lot. You definitely got it more than me, but I think when you adopt a child from another country, the question is, why didn't you drop from the United States? That's the question you get. I have two, I have two parts of this. And I'm just going to chuckle to myself for a second that my nine best friends over there are like, okay, let me make sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's set I the have, stage. I, I want have, you to have the lights right. I have two parts. <laughs> I have two parts for this. Um, I don't feel like I get it as much anymore. And probably because, and I hope this is the reason, my kids appear too old to say this in front of them. I hope that's why people are buying. I mean, actually, I hope people are just, it's 2021, people. We can't just ask stupid questions. I hope, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, don't get it as any of those reasons. I don't get it as much anymore. I used all, to get it all the time. Yes. And I went, I ran the gamut of emotions and responses. Why don't you adopt? Why didn't, why didn't you? Because what they're doing is they're saying it in front of my children. They're saying it to me in front of my children. Why didn't you adopt from the United States? And tell us the sweet answer and then tell us the snarky answer. So the sweet answer, which is the truth. Yes, 100% the truth. My kids were in China. Period. That's Period. Why. God put it on our hearts. Period. God called us to go. We listened. Period. That's where our children were. There's an expletive version too that I will <laughs> refrain from saying. Um, but the snarky answer, the first time I did it was in Starbucks in Adriatica. I was in line. I had both of my little girls with me. We were going to get a drink. I was having like a mommy takes the two little girls. And at the time, they were probably two and four. They were little. The first time I pulled out the snarky answer, I got a lot of satisfaction. I bet you did. The lady behind me said, while my little girls are standing there, why didn't you adopt from the United States? And I looked at her and I said, oh, I love domestic adoptions. I'm a huge fan of them. How many kids have you adopted from the United States? And the look on her face, like she looked like she wanted to crawl into a hole because <laughs> she hadn't adopted any kids. And so if you have adopted kids from the United States and you want to ask me that and have a real conversation, yes, that is come baby, let's have criticism. it. Or it's just like a real genuine conversation. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to stand behind me in Starbucks with whatever preconceived notions and judgments you have, and you know nothing about my situation, but in front of my daughters who are just thinking about what cake pop they want, you are going to say to me, why didn't you adopt from the United States? Which by the way, in the foster care system, there are Chinese kids, there are black kids, there are white kids, there are Indian kids. Like there are a, runs the gamut of kids that are in the foster care system. So you don't know that they're from China. But the fact that you could say that to me, and that was my response, and it's my favorite. And anytime I need to use it, I use it. 
And you guys are welcome to use it too, right? You're letting them borrow it. Please. How many of you adopted? And she just stammered and stuttered and said, I haven't. And then I said, okay, then. And I turned back around and we picked out our cake pops. I got my latte and we left. But like that, like you called me when you got in the car. That also can be applied, though, to sh- social media people who yes. are just watching and reading yes. and judging and have nasty things to say. Yes. Same answer. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you want me to, like, send Maidley and Ashby back, like, and get some from here? Like, no, those are my kids. God yeah. called me. This was, like I said, a four-year and two-month process from being called to adopt to actually picking up Ashby. And that involved so much praying about it. And the Lord specifically has said to me, that's not where I'm supposed to adopt from yet. Maybe he'll do it later. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not against it. And we support and love so many people. We know so many families that do adopt domestically and we love them so hard, just like they love us when we adopt from uh, China. Yes. So we are not saying that God will not call you or call your sister or your uncle or whoever to adopt domestically. That could be the case. And I pray that if he calls you to do that, that you will listen. But let's talk about this. I'm going to get another soapbox. I'm stepping off one back onto another. Okay, here we go. (sighs) Um. You and I know the ins and outs of Shay and Erica's friendship more than anybody else, right? Yeah. But the entire time I was adopting Ashby, I did not ever tell you to adopt, tell you to adopt from China. Oh, no. You I never, yeah, oh, I'm going there. I never said you should adopt from China. I just felt my calling. I shared my calling to anybody that would listen because I felt like it was a calling that needed to be shared. I shared my calling to everyone. Schaefer heard it. Jenny heard it. Andrea heard it. Brooke heard it. Brooke got felt called to adopt. Yeah. Erica heard it. Erica got called, felt called to adopt and you mentioned it, but I, my answer is always, you've got to pray about it. The last thing I want you to do is get somebody else's kid. That's going to mess up everybody's life, your life, their life, and the other family's life. Like you need to get your kid, pray about where your kid is. Don't get the wrong kid based on any other reasons. And we were driving to the pumpkin patch. We were on Virginia. I was about to turn on Custer when you start crying in my car because you were like, we felt, Tab and I, we felt called to adopt a girl from China. It was nothing short of divine intervention. It was not me. Do you remember the moment? Yes, we I were, don't, but it no. doesn't surprise me that I was crying because I'm telling yes. you, nothing makes me cry like <laughs> yes. this topic. No, we were, I was driving. We were going to the big orange pumpkin patch. Yes, okay. Nixon and Smith were in, what is that, kindergarten? We were on, we were oh, right there by, the yes. of us because we were meeting them for the field trip. I was I about to say now. whose office we were in front of, but I mean, whatever. Yes. We were right there and I'm driving and you burst into tears and you tell me, and it's China and that was, had you seen me with my Chinese daughter? Had you knew you knew I was trying to adopt Maidley? You knew, but yes. I listen. Please adopt from China, but please, I beg you, adopt from Haiti. I beg you, adopt from Colombia. I beg you to adopt if you from the United from States. the United States. If you can, from system. if you're not American, listening to this, and you can adopt from Russia, please go get those children. Like. Yes. It's also not a coincidence. We just said a third of the world's orphans are in China. Like that is where most of them are. So it's also like a numbers game. about that? Back in the day, I did get like, oh, Erica's, I mean, ugh. but people are Aww. stupid. Please refer back to the yeah. episode where I talk about how I could care less. But like, because here's yes. the deal. If you would have listened and thought like, oh, well, People are saying, I'm only adopting a little girl from China because Shady did. So maybe I won't do that. Maybe I'll adopt um, a little boy from Uganda instead. That's not your kid. And what right. kind of situation, if you would have been disobedient to God's calling you to China, just because of snarky people online or people that don't know your heart and what God's doing in your heart and tabs, who knows what be ha- would be happening to Brit right now, right? Yeah, or who he, knows? God would have closed the door completely because that wasn't have, my yes, kid. Yeah. Yes, like... Yes, stepping off soapbox now, but like people just mind your own business. You. Yeah. Don't you guys want more? We oh need to find my another soapbox to step up on. Ugh. Um, okay, really quickly before we like kind of wrap up part one. Um, so in China, the child law, the one child law ended in 2016. So let's what what is the one child what was the one child law? The one child law was that in China you were each family was allowed to just have one child. So I think the Chinese people are amazing. I think the government decided has flaws. Yep. Yeah. So but the people are amazing. So you could only keep, you could have, but you could only keep one child. Right. Yes. 
And culturally, boys are more favored. Right. Culturally, kids without special needs are more favored. So if you can only have one and a little girl with a special need is born to you. Right. It, so if there was a difference, typically those children went to the orphanage. They were left somewhere. They were dropped off. They were aborted. I mean, there were lots of options for what they did with those children. Um, you can read books about, there's so many books. You can go Google it. Uh, the things they would do to you if you don't get rid of that second child, that subsequent child. Uh, you lose your job. You lose your passport. You can't leave the country. You can, uh, that child will have no, like, their equivalent of like a social security school. number. Yeah. yeah. So they can't get medical care. They can't go to school. So they, these kids, all three of our girls were found abandoned. And I, from the bottom of my heart, do not think their mamas wanted to abandon them. I think the fact that their moms had them, knowing, I guess, they couldn't keep them, or their moms, there is no way a mom just throws out her kid, abandons her kid, walks away from her kid. There's no way that wasn't the worst day of her life and that she doesn't think about it every single day. And there are books written by women who talk about that, who are Chinese women that say how that haunts them forever. But all three of our girls were found. Um, Britt and Ashby were about 10 days old. Sweet Maidley was at least two months old. Her mama had her for two months and had to give her up. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. The law changed. The law changed. Um, and up until 2021, you could have two kids. They say, though, it didn't really change the numbers of kids that were found abandoned because, again, if the kid is with special needs or if they want they want those boys, they're still abandoning those girls. In May of 2021, they have changed it to three from the, I want more than anything for those people in China to get to keep all of their children. That is the ideal. The ideal is not for all of us Americans to adopt these Chinese kids. No, the, I, I, the, the, what we want is we want Chinese people to be able to keep their own children and that their kids can have medical care and that their kids can go to school and that their kids can get better. That's, that is what we want, right? Yeah. And something important is, um, that you said, um, all of our girls were found in public places where their moms or their dads or their grandmas or whoever. I look, Shay started creeping <laughs> again, Eric's crying again, but they were all found in places where they knew they would be found. Yes. Um, I'm sure there are places there where they could have taken them and, you know, no, no one would have seen them again, but that's important for us to remember too. So yes. there are other moms and birth dads out there who are doing the same thing, which is why the numbers are still so high. So we want, in a perfect world, there is no adoption because adoption comes from brokenness. In a perfect world, that is, it, it is God's desire for families to stay together, for moms to, keep, to be with their babies. We are trying to make something positive out of a really terrible situation. Right. That is what we're, we're trying to do. We're in a world. Yes. So we're trying to make it better. Um, Erica, we have goodness. a lot more to say. <laughs> we are going to need more episodes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So some other things that we know we want to talk about in the future are like the process of adoption. We're going to kind of touch on paperwork and our home studies and just the timeline and how all of that plays out. We want to talk about just traveling in general and how that looked, um, what we packed, did we take our kids, how it felt when we met our new kids for the first time. Um, we want to talk about when they got home with us, what, you know, how life at home looked like with these new children, medical needs, the therapies, all of that. If there's anything else as you were listening that you're like, hey, can you please cover this? Or if you have a specific question, please let us know. Because like we said, this is a part one of we're not really sure how many. We have lots more to come. And so if you send in something that you're interested in learning more about or hearing about, um, we'll be sure to discuss. Yeah, uh, really, there are a few subjects. And this is the only subject we really want to do series on. We might do some yeah. part twos. But this one right here is so near and dear to our heart that we want to break it down as specifically as we can to maybe make it less scary and make people yeah. feel more prepared and have more confidence in the process. So um, if we didn't cover just now, like she said, things that you want to you want to hear us talk about, let us know for sure. And I mean, November is what's the month? Yes. So it's like so Orphan Sunday falls in November. It is like the national month that we recognize all of these kids that don't 
have forever families. So we wanted to really talk about it this month. Yes. Uh, Now I appreciate you listening to all of that, first of all. But we have some lighthearted, fun reader questions. It's time for random reader questions. All right, Erica, what you got? Okay, my first question is, girl, there is no telling what you're going to say on this. Uh, The question is, what is one food you would never eat? Oh, um, I, oh, I really like, I will try most things. Uh, Just like everyday, ordinary, I don't want tuna fish. Like I don't want a tuna fish sandwich. I don't want a tuna casserole. Canned tuna, gag, no. What about (laughs) you? I was going to say, I mean, mine would be like meat related, probably. (laughs) I eat like, I eat all meat, but I want it to be like super lean. I don't want there, not because I am worried about the fat, but just I do not want to like bite into something that is like, you know. I would like to disagree. I mean, I think you technically consume all meat over a period of time. But I would say, do you eat all meat? No, I think you question and judge <laughs> and and really have a hard time eating all meat. <laughs> yes, I mean, that is true. That is very true. So I don't know, depending on the day, it would be some sort of meat. <laughs> Meanwhile, don't feed me tuna fish from a can. My first question is, I feel like it's vague, but I'll answer it Favorite restaurant in DFW? Well, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is huge. So I'm going to name a few in different areas. If you're going to go to Fort Worth, I think you eat at Joe T. Garcia's. It's a must. Invite me to. It's been around since like the 1920s. Go there. Bring cash. There's only two options on the menu. There's a wait out the door. It's fabulous. So I would say Joe T. Garcia's. If you're going to be in Dallas, um, Javier's is so fun. It's owned by a man named Javier. Oh, good. It's so great. There's lots of places to eat, but that one came to my mind first. Um, Highland Park Shopping Center, that village there. I love that. There's lots of places you could eat there, too. Cafe Pacific is one of my very favorites. Um, up in McKinney, you got to head to our square. Local Yokel, The Yard, um, Cadillac, Square Burger, Rick's, Sugar Bacon, Rick's, Harvest. Harvest all all those of those are so good. What about, okay, so all the ones that Shay just mentioned are like local, yes. not chains. But if you had to pick like your favorite chain, what would you say? I know mine. That's why. I'm Tell me, what is yours? I would say Mi Casina. Oh, I do love right? Mi Casina. Yes. I, I, is that what you would say? Well, what now that you've answer? said it, I think I probably would say Mikasina. Because in my head, I was like, oh, I should have said Albernays. Albernays is in Dallas. And that's a great one. That's good, too. But it's locally owned. So, yes, I'm going to go with Mikasina. It just never goes, it's never bad. It's always a good meal. It's always great. Yeah, like when you said Highland Park Village, immediately I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, I know it's a chain, but like I love eating there. They're always in like the best locations, too. Yep. But, right? They're at the Star. They're at um, the ice skating rink at Waters the Galleria. Creek, They're at Allen. Waters Creek. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. okay. My question is super random. Have you read the Harry Potter series? No. I have okay, no desire. None. But you watch the movies kind no. of or no? It's science fiction. Pass. Oh, boo. <laughs> okay, your turn. <laughs> Did you like the series? Yeah, I think if you really started reading, I think you would be like, oh, that was a good, that was good. Even like the Hunger Games, like those series, they're... Here's where you're losing me, okay? Series. I think if Harry Potter was one book that captured the whole story, then if you were like, okay, it's not your genre. Yeah. And I know you don't love that. to read seven yes. books. I get it. I'm out before I even start because, I, yeah, I don't want to read that. Hunger Games is what Kensington read. She couldn't put them down. Yeah. She was obsessed with the Hunger Games, read them. I've never seen her read faster and been more excited to read a series than that. Yeah. But no thanks. Um, my last question is, what was your first car? So... My parents gave Sean and I like a budget okay, for a car. And, uh, but then my mom is always that parent that's like, but I'm not saying I'm going to get it for you. Like, just because, you know, like my mom never wants you to think you're, she always wants you to feel grateful and like you have to earn it. So I appreciate okay. that. Like if you've got really good grades and have a job and my mom just never wants you to think like, so she had said like, but if I were to, this would be about what kind of car. Well, my brother, who's younger, but I'm going to go backwards. He wanted a nicer car, like a really uh, nice souped up pickup. But he was like, it's going to have to be old. I'm going to have to get like used. 
Yeah. Right. In order to get that. So that was what he wanted. Like, I'm going to get an old car, but then he... Because he wanted all the bells and whistles. Well, and you know, back in the day, you don't do it now. Remember, like, the whole back of some dude's truck would be, like, amps? Yes. Remember, like, that used to be, like, a thing in the 90s? So Sean wanted, really, his car money to go towards this audio equipment or whatever, you know? So... But I am like Miss Practical and I'm like, well, I want airbags, which was like a new thing back then. <laughs> right. And I want that new car smell. And so it was a very nice car. Very, don't get me wrong, it was very nice. But I was going more like I probably could have gotten an old cool car, like a Camaro or a Mustang. But I, did, I wasn't interested in cool. I was interested in like safety. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got a red two door Saturn. That okay. I had for seven years. I drove it to Detroit. That's the car I drove in Detroit when Andrew and I were first married. I loved it. The point of my story is my mom kept saying I wasn't going to get it. And I wasn't going to get it because that's how Sherry rolls. And then one day I walked out to the mailbox and a letter was addressed to me from the Saturn dealership in Irving. And it said, congratulations on your new Saturn. That's how you found out? <laughs> yes. And my mom was in the house and she said she heard me screaming. So she walked out to the opened the front door and I was at the mailbox screaming and she was like I mean your dad bought a big red bow to put on it like that's Aww. what my mom said they were keeping it hidden at the Canancer's house I know but Aww. Saturn of Irving sent me a congratulations letter isn't that so funny that was my long version of what kind of car I had <laughs> I um okay my parents um Bruce had an old I think it was like a 19 I'm gonna get the year wrong but let's say 85 okay like a white Trans Am, Pontiac Trans Am with T-tops. It was white and then like right around the bottom. Zam is cool. See, that's a cool car. But an 80, an 85 and the year is 2000. So I think it's cooler than my two-door no, Saturn. 99, I guess. I don't know what the year was. Anyway, 99. Um, anyway. With they gold? Saying, like, I'm digging maybe it. Maybe tan around the bottom. Maybe not mm-hmm. gold. But um, they kept saying like, well, we're going to let you drive that car because, you know, it's, we had like this extra car. And I kept asking, you know, asking for like, oh, I'd really love to have, you know, like a new car or one that was like current, you know. And I kept saying it like really our stories were reversed because I was living this like dream world where I kept thinking they are going to surprise me when I'm 16 with like this car. Like they're really not going to have me drive the old car that's like 15 years old. Um. Spoiler alert, my birthday came <laughs> and they pretty much like gave me keys to the Trans Am. And I kept thinking like, the car is going to show up. Aww. It's going to show up. And it never did. And it was totally fine. I drove it for a year. And then my younger brother turned 16. We were just a year apart. So when he turned 16, I got um, I got a Chevy Cavalier. Ooh. It was two door. It was like a sport. What color was it? Oh, it was like a turquoise. Oh, like a green. Yes, it was more green. But anyway, yes, I drove that until Tab and I were married, and I got a different car years and years later. Okay, so that the Chevy, the two door Chevy Cavalier was very popular. That's what Kara had. Okay, hers was white. Okay, very popular. A lot, several other kids had them too. Like that was like that was a very cool car to get. But a Trans Am is really cool. But wait, okay, you know, you've heard this story. Here in my house where I live now, around the corner are people that are my age. In fact, they might be a few years older because they have kids in high school. And remember like last year when we were waiting by the fence and I was talking to her and she was like, my husband bought your Saturn. I do remember that. She was like, we have your old car. Yes. I drove it for seven years and then I sold it to one of my dad's customers. One of my dad's customers like wanted to buy it. So like I sold it to him. Andrew and I had been married for a while at this point. And anyway, the customer bought it for his son, who's now one of my neighbors in like a different city. Like, what, isn't that weird? Crazy. Yeah. Yes. So he drove my Saturn for several years after. That Saturn is still out there somewhere. All safe. That 97 model. The Cavalier isn't because um, when we traded it in, we got like a little SUV Volvo. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, then Tab drove after a while. But anyway, and they kept saying like, hey, you need to come and get it. <laughs> and we left it there for so long that they were like, We'll give you $50 for it. It was something insane. And we were like, we'll take it. Like, we didn't have anywhere to put it. We didn't know what we were going to do with it. I guess we didn't trade it in. I guess, like, we went and then left in the new car. And so it just sat there and sat there. And they were like, the tires are rotting. You've got to come and get it. Anyway. I have one more. Do you have, are we done with questions? Do you have another question? No, I, there. Oh, wait, I have one more. I just, I think it's like a parenting nugget that I will always remember. You remember my friend Becky, who you know, Becky? Yes. Okay. Uh, she told me this story one time and I thought it was fabulous that she 
on her birthday, her dad brought in a car, like pulled into the front of her house and she walked out and said like, oh, I really wanted this car. Oh, I remember this story. And she said he didn't even say a word to her. He got back in the car, drove it out, took it back to the dealership, returned it. And she did not get a car for an entire year. And it's such a good parent. Yes. Thing and she said it made the hugest difference, like the biggest difference on her life. Like I bet she, she was great. Yes. She said she was like, it was like the best thing my dad ever did. Like I was always, and she, she told me that story when we were in college, like 20 years ago. And I still think of it because that's like, that is a great parent right there. Yeah. It was a hard year. And now oh, he's, that was and a don't hard. don't you know that that was hard for yes. him? I mean, granted, it hurts yes. to hear yes. her say that. Yes. But then it also hurt knowing yes. that I wanted to do this great thing yes. for you. But it made her a better person. How could it not? She was talking about it to us in college. She would still talk about it today. Like it made her just like that. She that her 16 year old self needed that moment. Isn't that how God is with us yes. sometimes? Yes. Right. Like, you know, it has to hurt him when yes. we go through those like valleys, uh, but we're so much better on the other side yes. of it. It's like Becky after the year. Yes. Let's bring it. Huh. I'm glad we brought it back to God because. You should all go pray about adopting. Yes. (laughs) And send us any more topics or information or or not information, topics or questions that you have related to adoption so that we can be sure to cover that as well. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening today. We will be back next week with a new episode. See you then. Bye. The Bestie Breakdown is brought to you by Erica Slaughter and Shay Schull. It's produced by John Reinhardt at Free Dream Studio. We love emails. Reach out to us at thebestiebreakdown at gmail.com. Bestie Breakdown.